Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Joseph Griffin, an indie developer that has worked on such games as Magnavox, Turn On Dead 2, Spike City, and most recently, Grapple Dog, a platformer based around using your grapple hook to swing, bounce, and roll through a myriad of colorful levels and unique environments. Hi, Joseph. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Well, that's great here. And no, you are very welcome. I, the, uh, you know, the privilege is all mine. So thank you so much for making the time to, to talk with me. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, no, it's really great to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again. Uh, so Joseph, for those that don't know who you are, do you mind maybe telling us about a little bit about yourself before we get started? Uh, yeah. So I'm a, an artist and game designer based in London, uh, UK. Uh, I'm currently working on a game called Grapple Dog, uh, which is a platformer, like you said, um, for Steam. Uh, and I previously, I worked on a couple of mobile games. Um, and then before that, I worked at Nitrome doing mobile games there. Uh, did stuff like Rust Bucket, Turn on Dead, and I did uh, Spike City, uh, Magnavox, uh, some as part of the team, some as kind of solo developer. Uh, yeah. Um, that's the work I've done. Uh, yeah, I'm working on the new thing at the moment. Awesome. And thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, based on... Or sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. Uh, can you maybe talk about how you got into into developing and making games? Uh, you know, because you mentioned uh, that you're an artist and game designer, so I imagine there's a little bit of, you know, a, a interesting how you got into both of those areas. Well, yeah, I, I call myself an artist and a game designer. Um, like as a developer, I have to do, as a really small developer, I have to do like lots of different jobs, but um, I have to do a lot of programming, but I'm not very good at it. So I don't call myself a programmer. Um, yeah, basically, I, so I started as an artist. Um, uh, you know, I always liked to draw from a really young age and liked making uh, visual art. Uh, and then I think it was like, it was, I was started really young. It was pixel art that kind of like really got me into game development because I would go on, um, the Sprite as resource, which is a really great website where they kind of like rip the graphics from, uh, from like, you know, uh, pixel art based games, Sprite based games. Um, and I'll go on there and I would kind of like edit the Sprites in Microsoft paint and stuff like that. Um, and recolor all the Sonic sprites to, you know, do original characters and, and all that. Um, and it was like, yeah, at that point it was like, I could make something that looked like what was on my Game Boy. And that was really like exciting to me to be able to do that. So I started doing pixel art. Um, I got a bit known for that. Um, I worked at a couple of studios as a pixel artist. Um, but then I also kind of, um, you know, started playing with Game Maker um, and just, you know, trying to make my own stuff uh, for years and years and years. And then just slowly and slowly I got better at it. Um, and now I'm at the point where I kind of like do all the pixel art for my own projects and I'm kind of um, programming them and doing the game design for them. And uh, yeah, that's sort of how I got into it. So I sort of started as an artist and then kind of like just started making my own stuff. And thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I, I, there is something I just want to I want to add on to or not really add on to comment on uh, was your was your statement of 
you know, uh, you don't call yourself a developer because you're, uh, you know, because what have you. Um, as someone who has been develop developing for several years, I can say that that is a shared feeling. Um, <laughs> I, well, I'm not developing games. Um, I still struggle to say I'm a programmer, if only because I know the quality of my work, despite what other people might say. I know the quality of my work, and I refuse to. I don't like really saying I'm a I'm a programmer. Um, yeah, to, I, to a lot of people, I feel just I feel kind of like uncomfortable with it, uh, just because uh, you know, and particularly when because I've worked in studios in the past where you work with programmers, um, and they're just much better at it than me, and you know, I run like. If, if you actually work with me, I'm actually not very good with computers for a game developer. Uh, I don't really understand how a lot of them work. Um, so I always feel self-conscious about that. But I guess, you know, I have shipped two games at this point that I have programmed and I'm close to shipping a third game. I don't know when I'm going to reach the point where I'm like, no, I am. I am a programmer. You know, I'll, I will say that imposter syndrome for, for all fields. I really, I don't want to, you know, single this one out to be programming, but imposter syndrome can be a real, a real pain to deal with. And yeah. I wish you the best of luck for <laughs> navigating it. And I, I, I say that sincerely as someone that, you know, suffers from it and will likely continue to suffer from it. Uh, but I sincerely hope you are able to figure out how to navigate around it because, they, you know, there is a point and I can say this confidently there is a point where you will look at what you are doing and compare it to what you've done and realize how much improvement you've actually made mm. and there's also a point where you will look at what other people have done and realize that even at your worst you are still competent yeah so I, yeah i i don't know if that helps to be told that however I hope in some way, shape, or form that helps to be told that, you know? No, it's it's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And I think, like, as an artist, I don't necessarily feel that, um, am I an artist anymore? I, I also think, like, um, you know, I definitely have those feelings of, like, imposter syndrome and stuff like that. But I definitely, um, over the past couple of years, I noticed that, you know, if you start to kind of push that on yourself, that sense of like, I'm not supposed to be in this room, you know, I'm not good enough. Um, then, you know, other people will, will then push that on you, like on top. Like you, you walk in, you go, oh, I'm not very good at this. And then people will go, oh, all right, well, then you deserve to be paid this. Right. And one of the ways that I kind of deal with that is to just barrel in and be like right i don't care if i'm any good at this um but i'm gonna do it and that's that's how i push through you know joseph i the way you put that 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 makes a lot of sense to have that confidence and you know a lot well, everything you said there makes it makes a lot of sense because you know it's it's kind of about the the energy that you put into it and if other people pick up on that energy, uh, you could potentially be at a position, like you said, to to be uh, exploited, uh, and in this case, underpaid, right? Um, yeah, but I think it's not always like I'm not saying like it's just an attitude problem. There are like structural issues with the way that people are treated, but like you know, 
um, I think just personally, I've noticed that when you kind of go in with that attitude of like, you know, oh, maybe I'm not very good, um, people uh, aren't nice sometimes. And, uh, you know, just, yeah. No, and like I like I said, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I thank you for putting it that way because, you know, sometimes it is just a matter of confidence or um, – I, I, I don't know how to put this appropriately, so forgive the maybe not exactly correct way, but just not caring if you are good enough to be at the table because you're at the table, right? Like if you're already at the table, at some degree, you just have to not care if you belong at the table because someone has put you there and you might as well act like you belong, if that makes sense, because it's I'm, yeah. I'm grasping at that case, but if that makes any sense. I think that's, I think it's true. I mean, in the sense that games are creative, right? They're a creative field. Um, and I just have the attitude that, you know, everybody has the right to make something. Everybody has the right to, to be creative in that way. Um, whether that applies to, you know, having a job at a company or whatever, I, I don't know whether you know, just barreling in like that is, is the right thing. But like, um, you know, I think about it as in like, the <laughs> suppose that you don't know what you're doing and you barrel in and you mess everything up. And the worst thing you've done is put more art out there in the world and made something, you know, and that's not a failure to me. You know, that's, you've, you've, you've contributed to art and creativity in some way, you know? Yes, I understand completely what you're saying, and you know i I appreciate the very positive outlook that you have with that. Uh, you know, I I am more of a negative person, and I never would have thought of it that way. But thank you, because that is, uh, that is a nice way to shift things to like to shift the focus on instead of looking at it like you said, going oh this failed, nothing happened, or um, or 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 let's say like you're working on a game. And it doesn't it doesn't really get legs, but like you said, you you you've done all this like concept art or what have you. Mm. At the very least, you just made a bunch of art, right? Like that's, yeah, you know that's the that's a bit so that's a very positive and good way to look at it. So thank you for that because, I like I like I said, I personally would never have thought of it that way, and yeah, what you just said is is fantastic. So thank you so much. I think it is important, like. Um... Because I think a lot of developers, you know, particularly in the, you know, very, very small developers or, or solo developers or micro developers or whatever, like, you know, there's, there is a struggle to kind of like get discovered and struggle to kind of like get news of your game out there. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people that have released, re they're really talented and they've released really, really great games and they just don't find that audience. And it's, you know... Like everybody hopes that their game sells really well and they can make a load of money and, and be really successful, <laughs> uh, hopefully. Um, but then it's like, yeah, if you've made something, that's incredible. If you've made something, that's that's a feat in itself. Like every game that gets shipped, every game that gets made is 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 just you know incredible. And it's yeah, and it to you know, and I've had it where you know you put a game out and then it doesn't do what you wanted it to do and. You, that's my way of kind of coping with it. It's just kind of going like, no, I made something there, you know? Yes, in, it, entirely. And, you know, 
I don't think, I just want to say, I don't know if coping is the right word only because it, it almost like to me, it almost sounds like you're diminishing what you've done. And you know, it's <laughs> what, and when I say that, I mean, like you should, you know, you, you've already, you kind of danced around it and it's, you know, I'm going to say it explicitly, but like, you know, it takes a lot of work to go from sitting down, writing what you want to make for a video game and releasing that game or, yeah. or anything really. Right. But like, you should always be proud regardless of quality, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of success, regardless of all of that other stuff, you should be proud that you were, and this is not just targeted at you, um, but you should be proud that you set out to do something and you took something through to completion because mm. there's like sometimes some things are really easy to do and some things are really difficult to do. But at the very least, you should always be proud of what you complete because, you know, in, in today's world, especially starting out to do something and not finishing it is much easier it's easier to give up than it is to to persevere. And, you know, I, I think, I think just being able to, you should always be proud that you've completed something, regardless of, like I said, as uh, of success or, or what have you, if yeah. any of that makes sense. I mean, there's, there's the, the kind of spiritual philosophical sense. Yes, you should be, you should be proud, but also it's like great for your CV to have finished stuff on there. That's just good advice for like people, you know, looking to get, jobs in the industry it's like finishing stuff is really good for that I, w- I will say there is there is value in you know just not finishing stuff sometimes i think sometimes you know it's a balance i think sometimes people place a bit too much emphasis on kind of like you must finish i think one thing that's really important to me because um is like i'm trying to think of the right way to put this you, you have to enjoy the process you have to enjoy the process of making stuff, right? And you have to learn that first before you kind of like learn to finish things because whether you finish or not or how far you get or whatever, as long as you are enjoying the process and kind of like challenging yourself and learning things and, um, you know, that's going to carry you through and that's going to carry you through, you know, failure and success and, and ups and downs and everything. Yeah, and you know, thank you cuz that that also makes a lot of sense. Now, Joseph, based on <laughs> based on all of this because you know, we've we've kind of danced around a few things, um implicitly talked about a few things or at least I feel we have. Uh but based on your experiences, do you have any advice for those seeking to get into the industry? Um Yeah, um Hmm. I always feel bad because um, uh, to offer career advice because my career has, um, you know, not had a, a, a straight line, a, a really great path to it. You know, like um, I got studio work uh, and then I left studios and then um, I've kind of struggled to find work <laughs> over the last couple of years because um, my skill set is like um, not super in demand um, in terms of pixel art, in terms of um so I, I mostly use game maker studio uh i guess my advice yeah would just be uh, what i said you know learn to enjoy the process learn to finish work that you started uh, that always looks great on on people's cvs um don't 
bet on <laughs> your first game being successful. I think we dance around that, but yeah, there's no guarantee that you're going to make any money. Um, be safe. Don't quit your day job. Don't max out credit cards. Um, yeah, that, that's all the advice I got. You know, and thank you so much for that. And, you know, I, I don't, there's something, the, something you had said, you know, it was how your path was kind of all over the place and you didn't know if you had advice to give or you don't really know how to you know, give that advice. But, you know, the reason I like asking that question is because not everyone has the same entry into making games or, you know, parts of games or what have you. And any direction, any advice I feel personally is always valid because not everyone has the same path and not everyone will have the same path. And I feel that, you know, some people will be able to resonate with certain people and how they got from point A to point B and, you know, their story might match up more with someone else's and someone might match up with more with yours. So, you know, I, I, I just want to thank you for, you know, for, for the, the direction of the advice that you gave, because I, I, I personally feel that all advice in this, in this, in this frame is, is always going to be valid. So thank you so much for sharing that. No worries. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with it because I mean, I used to pre pandemic go to this, um, go to the London indie space. Um, yeah, uh, and there'd, there'd be a lot of students there, and a lot of um, uh, a lot of people that that worked in different industries that maybe graduated but wanted to get into the games industry, etc. And I never really knew what to say when they were like, "Well, you work in the games industry," and it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think the idea that I've, uh, I've I've been working in the games industry for like years six or seven years now like and that I have that experience is still kind of sits uncomfortably with me and I don't uh maybe I'm just 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 anxiety about getting older I think <laughs> you know I I can relate to that um <laughs> you know because personally for me I you know as I said I'm I'm a programmer and for me the way I got into my current job was a lot of how do I put this was a lot of me not caring and I I I say that in the sense of I had a lot of um you know I had I already had a job and uh, a friend you know for the company he works for he was really um suggesting I apply and you know I just applied Right. I was like, well, I already have a good job, whatever it'll, whatever happens, happens. And it was just a series of events of that basically just surmounted to luck and the confidence of me having the other job. So like, I didn't get as nervous. Now, none of what I just said is something I can share as advice for other people looking to get into it outside yeah. of having the confidence, I guess, because uh, when you have that confidence, people you, you, if you don't look nervous all the time, people, you know, correctly or incorrectly assume that you're a confident person in general, right? But, you know, I'm sure at some point I will run into someone and how I got from point A to point B might actually be in some way useful. So it's, you know, it's like, 
no matter no matter like I said, no matter what, I think just the journey to get there, someone is going to appreciate it. And you know, I understand that okay, myself as well. You know, you can be always anxious about that journey, but yeah. the the way that I look at it is, you know, there's someone that's just starting out, and they're going to be just as anxious. Well, I don't want to say just they they're going to be even more anxious, right? Because they don't have they don't have that experience or they're looking to switch careers or, you know, they, they're just generally really, I don't want to say lost, but it's overwhelmed. Right. So yeah. just, I, I, and I, I, I want to be careful of how I say this because I don't, uh, I'm just going to say it this way and I don't mean any insult by it, offense. Um, but like not everyone's path is going to be like 100% successful. Like you said, you know, you don't want to plan on that first game being, you know, a a smash hit that just breaks out and leaves you as like a millionaire or whatever, right? Um, Because statistically... That would be really, really nice. I could really use that right now. uh, (laughs) I I think, yes, I I hope for the best for you with with, uh, Crapple Dog. And, you know, I I hope that works out for you. uh, but like, I, I agree, you know, like it's, it's statistically, that's a much lower chance of something to happen. Um, and hearing, hearing that someone else is, you know, that they had the struggle that they had, you know, uh, a, a twisted path as well. I think that paints a good picture for other people that might be nervous as well to think, you know, uh, you know, they're going to get out there and it's going to be roses, you know, and Rarely that's the case, and rarely that's just the case. Um, but yeah, so uh, just to, to, to not risk going down uh, a weird, dark, and potentially uh, spiritual and or philosophical debate on all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, we, we're getting uh, pretty deep. I mean, yeah. Uh, or go further into it. Uh, oh. Joseph, let's, let's go back a little uh, <laughs> to when you were younger. Uh, and what was your favorite game as a child or when just when you were younger and why was that your favorite game um right i'm trying to think i've i i i played lots i always play a lot of games um i think so so we had a we had a playstation we were a playstation mm-hmm. family uh and i loved Spyro the Dragon, that was my favourite on the PlayStation. Um, I think my favourite, like, as a kid was, um, I had a Game Boy, and I played um, uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons, uh, which was kind of like my first entry point into kind of uh, Nintendo and Zelda, and just after that I was just like 100% huge, huge Zelda fan. Um, and I played everything, you know, that I could get my hands on. I like, um, yeah, I ended up, I ended up getting a GameCube, uh, just so I could get Wind Waker because, you know, I remember like, uh, all the magazine previews at the time were like, uh, um, cause we, everybody thought it would be like a really realistic new Zelda game, you know, cause they showed off that kind of space world demo. Uh, and I remember just like this game magazine coming in and it was like Link had this big head, um, yeah, it was Zelda for me, like, as a kid, that was, like, an absolute favourite. I just, I love those games. Um, yeah, and I still, like, to this day, and I know it's nostalgia, but still to this day, I'm just, like, Oracle of Seasons is one of the best. It's one of the better ones. So, sorry, I was just, I was trying to think of, of 
how to how to follow up with that. Not because you didn't say some, you know, didn't not because uh, you you didn't say anything that I can follow up with. It's just how I phrase it. Um, so you know, I I can definitely relate to experiencing the magic of Zelda for the first time and being completely enamored by it. Uh, yeah. You know, for for me personally, I I remember watching my sitter playing the first Zelda game and watching as she went through like the screens and did some of the secrets and stuff. And to this day, I still have vivid memories of watching her hit those secrets, push those secret blocks to, to, you know, get to the stores or whatever. I still don't remember what screens those were on. So (laughs) I will still, every time I see a screen that seems familiar, I'll just try everything. And, you know, that's probably not the best approach, uh, especially because Zelda is incredibly old and I should have that down pat by now. But anyway, uh, can you can you share what it was about Oracle of Seasons? I believe you said not ages, correct? Yeah, not ages. Gosh. <laughs> can, can you share what you think it was about Oracle of Seasons that 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 did it for you? Because you know, the, the, the Link's Awakening, Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, um, you know, all of those were, were stellar Zelda games. And I would, I'm wondering if you can just elaborate or expand on what it was for Seasons that, that did it for you. So, um, well, firstly, I just want to say, there's something really funny to me about the idea of somebody who, like, loves Oracle of Seasons and just hates Oracle of Ages. Just like, no, <laughs> get it away from me. Um I, I don't know what it was about that game, but you got to understand as like um, now as a very dorky adult, like every series, you know, I will go on Wikipedia and read the, the full summary of kind of like, oh, so this is where it sits in the timeline and whatever. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I didn't have any idea. Like I literally, you know, the Game Boy was like the Pokemon machine. Uh, right. Uh, but that's whatever. That's what we bought it for. Uh, in our family was like playing Pokemon Red and Blue because that was like the trend. Uh, and then I think I just uh, picked up Oracle of Seasons on the shelf and I just fell in love with it. And I didn't know about Link's Awakening for years and years. I, I only really, I think, played that on the 3DS uh, like years later. Um, uh, I did play Seasons at the time because like, you know, I, I'd read that it worked like Pokemon where there was like a red one and a blue one. Um, I, I don't know what it was about seasons, but just something about like that there was this whole world in there, right? This 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 magical kingdom, and that this adventure was like it was like an epic adventure, you know, with a with a a beginning and an end, and you know, fantasy nonsense and whatever. And I, I don't know, I just really loved it. I, I do think it was kind of like. It was the jumping off point for me because uh, after that, I kind of, you know, I got Wind Waker. I remember I got Wind Waker, but over here, I don't know whether this was the case in like other regions, but over here it was packaged with like um, Ocarina of Time, um, which I'd never played because I never had an N64. And I just remember like I played Wind Waker for like an hour and I'm not disparaging that game. It's a great game, but like, um, I was just glued to Ocarina of Time. That game just blew my mind. It, you know, it's something about the the kind of like epic scale of Zelda that that really that I really enjoy, and the kind of intricate design of the puzzles, um, 
and just the, the really appealing characters, you know, and then it feels like this grand adventure where you kind of like meet all these fun people and, and go and save the world. I, I, I really love it. Yes, you know, I I 100% understand what you were saying as, you know, someone that is a fan of Zelda, uh, obviously. Um, but I, I get exactly where you're, where you're coming from. And, you know, for me, I, I've always liked Zelda, but for, for me, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask were the were the moments that I booted up the game and felt or realized what a game could be like uh, and I I know what I'm saying is it's like a very vague uh statement to make but I it's it's I I I'm, I'm I'm very confident though that what I'm saying is you understand what I'm saying yeah. uh, and I'm I'm, I'm fairly confident that anyone that listens would also understand what I'm saying, but it's that that moment of booting it up and realizing, you know, it's, you can see something in the distance, and, you know, with I think what Zelda did, uh, the, the 64 games especially, did so well, was implementing like the draw distance the way they did with the fog and such, that you could always tell there was something out further. And it... Yeah. It did an amazing job of making you want to see what was out further, to go what was to go that extra step just to see it. You know, I think I think it's also um, what I really liked about them was that they were kind of um, like they had they had they all had you know beginnings where you were like a little arm boy or you were um, you know you're in the Kokiri forest or you kind of like. I think in Majora's Mask, you're like the Deku Scrub and you start off and you kind of like in this small little village or whatever. And then the world kind of unfolds itself over the course of the game. And as you discover more and more, you kind of like uh, travel distant lands and, and stuff like that. And then it all leads into a big showdown at the end. Right. And then, you know, whenever you've got a new Zelda game, you know, it's a bit like, you know, buying a novel or, you know, watching a film where there's kind of like, beginning and end of authored content and action and adventure and combat and all that um yeah i, I don't know I, I don't want to be like old man yells at clouds but yeah like <laughs> these these days uh, with all the service driven stuff and even with kind of breath of the wild there's less of that sense of like you know the, the developers have made something for you to enjoy and it has a beginning and it has an end right um there's more this sense of like service driven stuff or, or open world games where it's kind of like, go wherever you want, you know, man, you know, it's up to you. Um, and there's something I really miss about the, the like the Ocarina Majora era of Zelda games where it was like, where am I going to go in this one? What kind of wild environments are they going to be? Yes, exactly. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think the best way to put it is uh, for, in my mind, I think the best way to put it is those in the past, they would curate your your journey. They would, you know, they would steer you through and they would give you what they wanted you to get. And there was enough stuff you could do on the side to maybe learn some other things or do some other things. But ultimately, uh, you know, you went from A, B, C, and there could be like B1, B2, B3 or whatever along the way. Whereas, you know, uh, more recent games, uh, Breath of the Wild, for example, they did a lot of, well, the world's open you find what you want to do. You find, you know, 
you find this and go from there. When, you know, if you if you really liked the old format where it felt like they were sending you in the direction that they wanted you to see things and experience things, that, you know, that's if that's what you really liked, that is a very different approach to current. And, you know, it it's it's gonna be potentially jarring or, you know, uncomfortable and or whatnot. I think it I really love Breath of the Wild. I think it's really great and like that sense of epic adventure um is there. You know uh yeah, it's just and I think it's probably nostalgia a little bit. It's just that I really like the format of those old ones and I was a bit sad to see um, uh, you know, the can them completely change it up. And there were a few elements like the dungeons and things where I'm like, oh, you couldn't have kept a good dungeon, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, uh, there's, there's this kind of genre again that the, the, like the, um, and there's no term for it really, um, that Zelda on the N64 and on the GameCube or whatever was kind of doing, which was like this, like action adventure games that weren't exactly platformers but they they had some kind of like element of melee combat and you would kind of like get upgrades and things and and they'd be maybe a bit more serious in tone and you know a lot of those those kind of franchises died off pretty quickly and then nobody really got it as good as nintendo and i'm i'm thinking about stuff like uh like prince of persia sands of time uh beyond good and evil and sphinx and the cursed money uh, Mummy, uh, her Star Fox Adventures, even you know, like they're not platformers, they're not shooters, they're they're action adventures, I guess you would call them at the time. Uh, yeah, and and like yeah, most of them died off, and then Nintendo was the only one kind of still making them uh, with like Skyward Sword, and so it's a bit disappointing to be like, oh, okay, they're doing open world now, so that um that's kind of gone. I think I like. One day I really want to make one of those, one of those kind of like dungeon exploring action adventure kind of things. You know, I I hadn't really thought of that, but yeah, I I can't help but agree that the 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 Zelda sixty four format, uh, there weren't a lot of games that really followed it, or at least to my knowledge, I could be very wrong. We could both be very wrong, and we're both just un blissfully unaware. Or maybe not blissfully, but we're just completely unaware of this wonderful set of games that just would scratch that same itch. But you are—I think you're—you're you're, like you're—you're you're spot on that. That was a very specific kind of game, and it hasn't really been done in that format. And those that did, you know, had for whatever reason just didn't succeed. Uh, you know, they didn't—they didn't continue on. Yeah, I I almost wish like uh, there was a term for it because um, you know like uh, when people talk about Metroidvanias and they go, "Oh, I, I miss Metroidvanias, bring back Metroidvanias," or this game is a Metroidvania, etc. You know that like there's at least shared terms and people know what we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, there was just like a, a few years there where there was this little genre of of Zelda sixty four likes or whatever um, that I really enjoyed. Uh, and I'm I'm sad that kind of like they all changed directions or or died off and, and stuff like that. Or basically, you know, in terms of like uh, action combat games, I guess you got kind of like the the 
the, the Bayonetta, Devil May Cry, they kind of like went in that direction, or you got the Dark Souls stuff and they went in that direction, and like those are cool. Um, not specific, it's just scratching that itch. I think that's a good that's a good phrase. I've I've recently been playing um, Kina, uh, and the Bridge of Spirits. I want to say the subtitle is, and that is very much. Um, it reminds me of that era of games, but it um, it's a bit too modern. It's got a bit too many like modern things, like um, an upgrade tree and lock on combat and and like really modern aiming controls and stuff like that. And it's a bit. I really, I'm really enjoying it. It's really pretty and everything. It's a bit shallow in terms of like, uh, you know, I want to. I've run a really good inventory screen. That's what I really want from that game. Just <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like when you go to scratch, scratch the itch, and you get there, and then you get distracted, right? So you put your hand down. You're about to start, and you're like, oh look, a pretty bird, and you yeah. just, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's almost there. Is, is I think the, the sentiment I'm getting from you. Yeah, it's it reminds me of a lot of that of, of that era, um, and particularly like stuff like Beyond Good and Evil. Except that I feel like Beyond Good and Evil had just more to it, you know. And maybe that's nostalgia uh, of me going like, "Oh man, Beyond Good and Evil was a great game." Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's there's, there's just I, I want more meat on that bone. You know, all all very valid, and uh, you know all very valid feelings to have i i'm i'm especially not the one to to try and uh change that opinion because you know i i completely i completely agree i'd never actually thought about it until five minutes ago or what have you but i completely agree with everything you're saying so you know far be it for me to try and pose any form of a devil's advocate argument <laughs> have, you, have you played uh kina or no, I um I haven't. I do not have a PS5. I believe it's only on the PS5. Um, I think it might so be no, weird. I I uh I have not had the playing it yet. It's on my list of things to do at some point. Uh, okay. but unfortunately not at this time. No worries. Um yeah, I haven't found many other people that have played it. <laughs> I've I've certainly read about it. I've, you know, and whatnot. It's just I haven't had the the opportunity yet. Um, no, it's uh, yeah, it's really good. I I, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> well, fair. I will I will keep that in mind that when I get the opportunity, I will I'll keep an eye out for it. Okay. So Joseph, I I want to ask, what is it that makes gaming enjoyable to you? And I think we also kind of danced around this in some way, shape, or form. But explicitly, is there something about games that, you know, that are enjoyable to you? And what is that? Um, ah, that's a, a really broad question. Um, kind of is, and I apologize for that. It's, if, it's, if you'd like, I can try and make it less broad. No, I, you know, it's changed a lot. Like, I started as somebody who played games, and now I make them. and. Um, oftentimes when I'm playing something, it's hard to turn off that, that kind of bit in your brain that is like, how was this put together? What have they done design wise? Um, so, but now I like enjoy really good level design, really good, um, uh, just really clever 
uh, mechanics design, uh, really good move sets and character controllers and stuff like that. Like if a game is just kind of like instinctively very very fun to play, I really um, I really really enjoy that. Um, yeah, and I like I like a I don't know, just like a great soundtrack, great art, great environment art, uh, fun characters. Yeah, that if something has some combination of all of that, like, I really, really respond to it. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. You know, all that makes perfect sense. And you know, hopefully, there's, uh, hopefully, games continue to 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 scratch that itch for you. Um, <laughs> and I know that's a that's a very vague, but it's it's you know, it's such a broad amount of games. I'm I'm very confident that there's always going to be games that you'll enjoy if if those are the things that are are going to do it for you, you know, because, you know, it's, we're only, you know, because a lot of people say gaming is relatively young uh, in, in, you know, the grand scheme of things in terms of art forms. But like, as, as companies, as studios are figuring out how to do better games or not, I don't want to say better games, as they're honing the art form, that's the way to put it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that there's just going to be more of those things that check off those boxes for you because you know the more we the more studios that are doing it seriously or earnestly not to say that you know other studios aren't when they're not trying to make um you know big art kind of games or 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 what have you but you know the more that that is happening the more i think you know we're going to see uh, fabulous mm. you know better stories better better music better better all of this and i i say that and I, I i realize immediately that that's kind of arrogant to say because like you look back at some of the older games and that you know they had absolutely fantastic audio as well like chrono trigger for example for me is like um the epitome of perfect game music right yeah. um so like i say that you know, completely disregarding everything in the past but i'm just meaning you know we're, we're going to see less of those one-offs. And I, as I, I look forward to that because, you know, if those are the things you enjoy, I'm, I'm sure at some point in time, you're going to have nothing but games that you're going to be able to really enjoy, you know? Yeah, I definitely, um, no, no, I, de I definitely think that way. I, I, I disagree a little bit that I, you know, that it's kind of like, a things are always getting better kind of thing, or I think that's maybe kind of like looking at it a bit like a, a tech problem where it's like we're oh we're just going to keep iterating you know i think there's something to be said for like art doesn't work like that um and just like good creative stuff is is um is it's hard to kind of pinpoint where it comes from um and particularly yeah at the minute i think the, the games that i'm really enjoying that are coming out are like indie titles where um you know people are like I said, making stuff that has a start and a finish and, and um, good controls and good characters or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of bounce off a, a, a lot of the more higher budget, big tech uh, games these days because I, uh, yeah. You know, and definitely, you know, I, I, so thank you for, for that about the, the comment for art. You know, that's, I'm, I'm not going to argue with, with that at all for various amount of reasons. Um, and you know, I, mainly cause I'm not qualified to argue or to even really discuss it further, you know, but thank you for, for the way you phrase that because 
I you're you're correct. I was looking at it from a from a tech point of view, and mm. art doesn't work like that. Music doesn't work like that, right? So thank you for for that. That's something I will do my best to keep in mind for the future. Uh, but when it comes to indie games, I I agree completely. You know, I I personally find it easier for me to get hooked on an indie game um, because to me. I see a lot of indie games coming out and developers or, or teams or what have you are more willing, uh, more willing might be the wrong word, but they are, you're going to see things that you might not see a bigger studio try only because, you know, they have, um, they have, uh, they have like, uh, you know, stock or not stock, but like they have like the board of directors and they have all of this stuff that is so going to be focused on what is going to sell millions and millions of copies of and make them millions and millions of dollars and whatnot you know capitalism and all that stuff whereas indie studios will from my understanding typically be more focused on making what they want to make or smaller studios or what have you and i think it's i think it's just it uh, sorry to interrupt but i, I think oh, it's, no it's about risk you know it's about you know if you are ubisoft and you have, you know, millions and millions and millions of pounds or, or dollars um, <laughs> or whatever they, uh, you know, euros. Um, you know, you need to make a game on that budget level that is going to appeal to the most number of people as possible. Right. And so you get stuff that is kind of lowest, not lowest common of the dominator. That's not kind of what I mean. What I mean is like that. Um, that just has just this enormous broad appeal and where a lot of the rougher edges have been have sanded off and you know gameplay systems and gameplay mechanics have all have all had solutions you know like um uh, the best way for the player to upgrade their abilities is these upgrade trees you know the best way for a crafting system to work is you know the menu looks like this this looks like that um you know that's the kind of incentive they've got there I think for indie teams, just because there's a lot less money on the line, they're able to make stuff that's like, um, this is just going to appeal to these kinds of people. <laughs> and if you don't like that, then you don't buy the game, right? And there's less capital on the line. Um, I think it's like interesting and something I thought about, you know, making Grapple Dog is like, who, who is the market for this game? Is it like people that like platformers or, or whatever? um how big is that you know um but i know that as a developer i'm not spending hundreds of millions of dollars like to make this silly game about a cartoon dog like the risk uh versus reward is a, is a kind of different calculation you know definitely and you know i i do want to comment because you were you know you had said uh about you know the, the market for, for grapple dog and I will say, um, you know, I, I played the demo. I, I really enjoyed the demo. I really enjoyed the concept. And the thing that, I don't know if this is going to be a good thing that I say or, or not to you, but the thing that made me go, oh, this is interesting, was because I really enjoyed Bionic Commando on the Game Boy Color as a, when I was younger. And I like the, I like the, games that utilize the i'm gonna say gimmick 
um, feature feature that utilizes the feature of having just a hook that you swing on. I've never been able to figure why. It's just I enjoyed um, I enjoyed playing Bionic Commando so much that when I saw a Grapple Dog have that hook, I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> and that, you know, there, obviously there is a myriad of other things. You know, there is, you know, the the environments, the levels are are well versed. Um, they're not well versed, but well, you know, they're they're unique levels. They are, you know, everything that's going on is presented nicely. You know, I like the game as as a whole package. But the thing that made me actively go, oh, I'm going to try this, was the grapple. And you know, I like I said, I played the demo. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to it coming out in the future, uh, you know, to see to see what else is there. Um, it already looks like, you know, and this this I'm not good enough for this, but it already looks like there is a buttoning um, or a budding uh, speed run or trial community because it looks like right from the get go you knew that was going to be a thing and already have a uh, time trial mode put in there, which is fantastic because. You know, I, I myself was trying to go fast, but fast in the sense of knowing I was just going fast, not, uh, not like some people where they found all these little shortcuts or, or whatever the proper term in the community is where like they swing one way, hit the ground, bounce off the wall and skip half the level in a matter of two seconds instead of two minutes or what have you really um, wild. it's really wild seeing some of the bugs and stuff but um but yeah no so like for for me it was the hook um you know my 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 significant other uh for her it was uh, the dog <laughs> so um you know I'm, I'm i'm just i'm only saying all this because you know uh to try and help answer the question of the appeal <laughs> for you i guess uh, yeah, I mean that's that's great to hear. I mean, yeah. Um, I think very early on, I kind of like. Um, uh, I knew I wanted the, the the kind of whatever the game it was because I was prototyping a lot of stuff at the time. I was like, I need this game to kind of like, if you see a thirty second, ten second gameplay clip of it, um, people understand what is happening on the screen, um, and so it's yeah. It, that's why the kind of grapple mechanic like fit that criteria for me you know um so it's really great to hear that that like works in, in a way that people like you know turn their head and go like oh a grappling hook you know and, and for me especially it really was that simple it it, it really was the um the the little like uh the little uh, animal part of my brain just oh, grappling hook okay and that that was it you know like i said i was immediately sold on wanting to try it because of <laughs> the grappling hook. I am a very simple man, Joseph. I want to be very clear on that. Well, p- people just love grappling hooks. They're really cool. I mean, they—they're like they promise a set of very interesting physical interactions, um, and that's why I think people just keep coming back to them and people keep putting them in games. Uh, yeah, and it, it's been interesting to like hear um, lots of people give their thoughts on like. Um, oh well, you must have been thinking about Bionic Commando, or like, oh, you must have played Worms Armageddon, or, or, or whatever. Um, and you know, I actually like I haven't played <laughs> either of those things. I played Bionic Commando Rearmed um, on the Xbox 360. That's the extent of oh, and I played the 
the, the, the gritty reboot of Bionic Commando. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the extent of my knowledge. Um, yeah, I, I just think grappling hooks are cool. Like, everybody thinks grappling hooks are cool. You know, 100%. Like, I, I, I don't think many people will disagree with the grappling hooks are cool uh, <laughs> a, a viewpoint. You know, like, I, I remember when I was younger, the Ninja Turtles were on TV, or in your case, the Hero Turtles or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, for those that don't know, they named it weird in the UK. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, like, you know, the, the, they used grappling hooks, and I was primarily a, a Turtles kid. I, you know, I'm 33 at this point. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm 33 at this point. Um, but, like, you know, the Turtles existed, and ninjas were a huge thing. And, you know, mm. uh, when I was in high school, the weird meme, I guess, of ninjas versus pirates were a huge thing. So, you know, grappling hooks because the ninjas came back. Like, what I'm really trying to say is there hasn't been a point in my life where it seems like grappling hooks were not a cool thing, like you said. You know, it's they've mm. always existed, and I'm fairly certain they will always exist continuing and they will always be something that everyone thinks is cool because it's a grappling hook yeah i mean they're 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 great i'm trying to think i was i was a ninja turtles kid as well um i don't think that i don't i don't necessarily have any kind of like long-standing fascination with grappling hooks I'm trying to think if it came from anywhere. I don't think so. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you know it's the the love affair with uh, grappling hooks started with the Ninja Turtles. Though a lot of things in my life had started with the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to lie. I'm like I said. I'm I was the prime age market for that cartoon, and it has had well the series in general has had just way too many profound impacts on my life. That similar to <laughs> Zelda and such i look back on and go why is this a thing like oh okay it's it's because of michelangelo or it's not or, or or you know what have you <laughs> um you know there's just way too many things in my life that i look back on and say oh, okay it's a turtles thing and just move on um, you're not you're not climbing down into the sewer are you because i mean that's pretty gross i have not tried that since i was a young child thank you very much <laughs> that, that attempt did not last very long I was grabbed very quickly, but you know that that attempt did not has not persisted through my life. Um, I will say though, if I ever have children, I am very much concerned about their attempts <laughs> because I feel that's a very valid concern. Um, <laughs> but no, I have not personally since uh, since for at least I want to say. 28 years. <laughs> Good to know. Now, Joseph, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. However, if there is anything else you wanted to discuss, you know, a cool game, more about what you're doing, or something you feel more people should just be more aware of, the floor is yours. As well, please let everyone know where they can find more information about you. And I will also be including that information in the episode description, too. Oh, ooh, oh, wow. Uh, I've got the floor. Um, hmm. <laughs> um, 
I just realized we didn't talk really about any platformers. No, we didn't. So, you know, if you would like to talk about some platformers for, for you know, right now, let's let's get into it. Platformers. Um, okay, let's 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 trade. What's your favorite platformer? Uh, so my favorite platformer for a bunch of different reasons, but it's uh, it's Mario Brothers Three for me, and it's personally because it's uh, it's what more or less has defined the Mario structure since then. You know, the overworld map, the power ups, the uh, you know a lot of core functionality that has existed or been changed or or what have you uh for the last 30 plus years and mario 3 has been out for over 30 years now um so it's you know i I like mario 3 but i'm I'm more of a mario world guy i think i like uh i like all the secret exits and what other does 3 have secret exits so 3 has a small number of secret kind of exits that you could do. There was a few that got you flutes that you could use in World One that you could jump around. Um, and yeah, I, I liked World. I just like the way World controls a bit more, and I like the cape, and I like the the levels in that one were kind of like. And there's actually a lot of Apple Dog in there, if you you know when I think about it. In terms of, I like that you had to use the cape to kind of like explore all over the level, and there were like secrets. You know, um, I did like mario brothers 3 but like uh yeah it's more of a kind of like obstacle coursey kind of thing and i guess if you want like pure mario that's the thing but i I, yeah i always like world a little bit more and you know that's very fair like uh you know mario world was is 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 like is a fantastic game i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ever deny that uh Mm. you know because everything like you said it was you know typically it was more colorful because it came out on the super nintendo uh you know it had uh it had a lot of iterated ideas honed a little differently than mario brothers 3 it had like the the overworld map like you said it had the the secret exits where you got star road if you really wanted the challenge the um um i forget the name of that the extra hard levels that uh if you if you beat them you got all the koopas turned into mario heads which was always an interesting thing to terrify children with <laughs> yeah i just i don't know there's something about the way that a game controls that i really I, I just really um uh what's the right phrase for it it just really it excites me when there's like a, a really tight feeling control scheme and i don't know like i can if i close my eyes i can feel playing super mario world right now um i just love the way it plays and then um yeah i, I don't know with super mario brothers 3 it just always feels a bit like uh, uh like the acceleration is weird i don't know i don't know how to exactly i'd have to actually go and take some notes to tell you why i just don't like it as much you know and that's that's very fair and i also think it's probably very accurate and fair to say that without um you know without some of the I'm going to say stumbling blocks that Mario 3 may have had that mm. Mario World would not have learned from, right? I, oh, I don't, you know, so I think, I, you know, I agree completely that, you know, it's always was an iterative process for Nintendo for uh, the momentum, for the, the, the game feel, for how characters controlled, and that 
in Mar in Mario World, you know, I agree completely. It is a very it was very tight. You know, it was it worked the way you wanted it to. It was, you know, I I, I wanna say it was very finely polished, very honed, and you know, it's yeah, I, I like I said, I don't I won't ever disagree with the idea that Mario World is is a fantastic game. I, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic and I'm glad to hear that that also had uh, impact on how you approached grapple dog like the, the levels or, or design elements or what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely the idea of kind of like, um, not just an obstacle course, but you kind of like explore around and you find secrets and stuff like that. That's definitely, um, uh, yeah, definitely really influential. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what my favorite platformer is. I know I asked you, but. <laughs> well, I was, you know, I was going to follow up with, with that for you. So, you know, uh, do you, do you have a favorite platformer that you can think of? There's so many. I've I, I'm gonna do like I'm gonna publish when I finally actually release this game. Um, I'm gonna publish like every platform I played because I've played about like like during the development of of Grapple Dog, I've played like fifty or sixty, mm -hmm. like, quite a lot. Um, played so many. I think you know like I love Super Mario Odyssey. I know that's like one of the more recent ones, but that it to me is top tier platforming. That is just controls so beautifully and there's so much love and care and attention put into every little element of it and and just you know these great environments and this great soundtrack i just love that game fits um that's that's kind of a 3d platformer i think oh 2d platformers um i really love um i really love the, uh the the I don't remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> sorry, there's a dog. Um, Kirby in the Amazing Mirror. Have you ever played that? I really love that one. Um, Kirby Canvas Curse. I love. I'm trying. I, I don't know. I'd love so many platformers. <laughs> I'd love the more the more recent Rayman games. Oh, and I recently played um, which might be top five platformers ever. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Two. That game is is just blows my mind it's incredible i when you say it, you're meaning the the super nintendo one yeah the super nintendo oh, okay yes okay. and you know I play that growing up and then i only played it recently on the switch thing and i was like wow yes the um so yeah the donkey kong country games i uh i i absolutely loved as a, as a child you know i for me a, a lot of different reasons similar to, to mario 3 but you know the the uh the the i'm trying to think of the word the progression might be the wrong word um the evolution of the gameplay uh the the levels the the philosophical the, the, the not philosoph uh philosophy the 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 approach or like just the the reasoning behind everything like mm. uh, i liked that it got more wild and whimsical and i say that in the sense of if you look at you know Donkey Kong Country 1 it yeah. was, you know, the level designs were nothing. They weren't bad. They were great. You know, there was a lot of interesting little shortcuts, secrets, uh, and what have you. But they were all very much 
um, you know, it's, oh, it's a jungle. Oh, it's uh, some Aztec ruins or what have you. Oh, it's um, a factory, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go to two and it's like a poison swamp, uh, a, a, a sunken ship, uh, a weird roller coaster amusement park, a weird level of thorns that you have to always navigate, you know? Like it was just... There's, the... there's really great environments in that game and there's a real kind of like um and it's something i think about as i have done backgrounds for grapple dogs it's just there's this real commitment to selling stuff like um you know just that opening on the on the boat you know when it kind of like is in the soundtrack and then the kind of like camera sways and you know like they're really like selling you are in this environment and there's a lot of li little touches like that in that game that just really sell i'm thinking of also like um some of the underwater levels have that just that amazing transparent water effect and and just oh it's just so good that game yes yeah like i said i the, i think that in that entire series was fantastic and you know the the push from them to not just make the push from rare i should say not from them but the yeah. push from rare to not just make a sequel and I say that in the sense of, uh, uh, like, you, you'll have some games where the sequel is just new levels, more or less. You know, yeah. in today's world, it would just be considered DLC, right? Just a new level pack, a, a set of levels or what have you. But, like, you know, the the difference between them are, you know, a, 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 whole, a whole bunch of mechanic changes, a whole bunch of upgrades, um, you know, uh, technical upgrades, I should say, not upgrade upgrades but like you know you have the new character for each one a new character comes along but like every like it was it's weird to say it this way because you know a, a lot of people can can also see just new level games as this but in my mind the the progression from one two three each one of them were proper like fully proper sequels they were each one 100% stood on their own. I don't think anyone would look at three and go, oh, well, I already had one, you know? And I, yeah. I, and I, I say this carefully because I really like these games, but if you look at Mega Man games, you look at that kind oh, of yeah. stuff, realistically, at the end of the day, you know, it's, you know, uh, you got, I think it was in two, you got the slide dash um, and then eventually rush. But I think the, it's the... I think it's a really interesting. Uh, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. The... No, no worries. Um, I think it's something I think about a lot, right? In terms of like I know I know I just like at the beginning of the episode we got very deep and I, I said that, uh, <laughs> you know, games are art, they're creative, but they're also software, right? And that's like where a lot of the weird contradictions in in, in making them and talking about them uh, come in. And I think about this a lot in terms of. Um, sequels that iterate, right, can be like really good. <laughs> and in fact, some series, a lot of platformer series, the, the games that I go like, no, that is the absolute standout one, are usually maybe like the second or the third. Um, when it's like they know how to make that kind of game, they know yeah. what went wrong the first time, they are kind of taking that on and taking all that kind of institutional knowledge and applying it to like the next one 
right? And like, just to give examples, like I would say Sonic 2 is like way better than Sonic 1. Uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, I'd argue like Crash Bandicoot 2. Um, I mean, even stuff, even like, um, uh, we were just talking about Mario Brothers 3. Like, you can clearly see it's like this iteration and this kind of like, this point where they hit their groove. Like, that's really exciting to me when you kind of go like, oh man, they really knocked it out of the park this time. And that, yeah, that's how, how I feel when I, um, uh, when I, when I played uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, just going from one to that. And it's just like, yeah, they nailed it. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, I, I really enjoyed Mega, the Mega Man series. So, like, I wasn't speaking ill of that, of that approach. But, you know, it's kind of what you were saying is they took everything, iterated on it, and they almost make a new game, right? Like, it's, you know, it's the, the skeleton is still there. And, you know, like, like you also said, from, like, a software standpoint, I, I completely understand wanting to try and reuse as much as what you can because it keeps development down like the cost down you know you keep you can get it out faster but you can keep the the cost down the footprint is lower yeah so like in no way am i going to say oh that's stupid like why should why would anyone do that because well you know i as much as you you know as much as you want new stuff you got to understand people are going to do what they have to do to try and save a little bit of money because time is money and you know why why remake the wheel when you have a wheel right yeah and like I think it says a lot to have to have a game that is able to successfully more or less make a brand new game from itself every time in the same way that it's able to say, you know, something like Mega Man where it's able to continuously deliver a yeah. stellar um a stellar enjoyment feel uh, uh, every time despite the fact that it's arguably more of the same and you know i think uh in... i would i would say that you know like my i don't know i don't know what your opinion of each individual Mega Man game because there's a lot of them but um there are yes <laughs> i definitely think you see that arc though where it's like the first game has a couple of like rougher edges that by like Mega Man two or three like to me two and three are the standouts and it's like from there it's kind of diminishing returns where it's like okay all right um yeah you in another one, um... <laughs> yeah, uh, no, one, yeah, one hundred percent. Because you know, um, you know, the charge shot was introduced, the sliding dash was introduced, uh, rush was introduced. I don't remember the order of those coming out, but I think by three, all of that was established. Mm. But, um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't mean to speak ill and say, oh no, they're just like it's Mega Man Two is Mega Man One with new levels, and Three is Two with yeah. new levels and all that. Because no, you're one hundred percent correct. There was. The rough edges were polished out. You know, they 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 got in there. They think they they doubled down on the things that were really good. Introduced some new things. Um, but I I'm I'm more meaning that like if you compare like a Mega Man two and three to like Donkey Kong Country two yeah. and three, it's it's a very different approach. Both are completely valid approaches. Like I I want to say that very clearly. I I like I said I really enjoy the Mega Man series, but like. You knew what you were getting with Mega Man. With Donkey Kong Country, for me, it was a wild ride because I thought I was getting more of Donkey Kong Country, and instead I got effectively this brand new, like this actual brand new game with a whole new character who doesn't play the same at all. And like, you know, just all of these new 
like just the, the new everything. Um, and like I yeah. said, you know, I think both are very valid. I don't think, I think both have a, you know, 100% have a place at that table. I'm going to always buy a, like I'm always going to want to play and buy a new Mega Man game just in the same way that I would want to buy like Donkey Kong Country 4 if it was. You're, you're really scared of these Mega Man fans coming for you. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's the it's the it's one that I'm clinging to because it's uh, <laughs> it's the series that's just in my head. I uh, I I don't I haven't played others that iterate the same way. Say, I'll put my foot down and say yeah, some of those later NES titles are pretty forgettable, and I struggle to tear all them apart. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna lie. I won't lie about this. Um, yeah. I don't remember anything between three and two and five. I'm gonna say I remember whenever the slide dash and the charge shot came. Every, and then up until six, I have no memory of. Um, and then from there on, including the new ones, um, I have nothing to say until X. And that even includes like Mega Man 10 and 11 or what have you. I, I played two and three. No, I played one, two and three. Um, and then I played four. And then, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, that it was a bit too samey. Uh, I felt like I'd had enough Mega Man. Um, and... Uh, and I don't know, it just didn't feel as good. And I was like, if I want to play more Mega Man in the future, I'll just play two, because that's the best one in my estimation. Yeah, I, I never really explored it beyond that. You know, and that's that's you know that's like I said, I'm I was only using Mega Man because it was the easiest example for me to go back to. I, I get um, you, I get you. I think it's really tempting on like sequels to just kind of yeah do a level pack or or, or whatever. And sometimes you know, it's cool to kind of like. Oh, more of this game that I like. Um, yeah, but there is something definitely for like um, seeing a team um, hit their creative stride, you know, and kind of like go from, uh, you know, here's this game with some great ideas that's kind of rough. And then, you know, the second one is just like, wow, they've, they've done they've done an incredible job here. Um, yeah. That's the, yeah, I, I love Donkey Kong Country too. <laughs> yeah thank you i was gonna say how do we even get on that tangent um, <laughs> but yes uh <laughs> so, um, so that was that was me whole, having the floor <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah joseph if there if there wasn't anything else you wanted to discuss i do just want to say last thing um yeah crapper dog is coming soon uh, i can't be more specific than that at the moment but um if you could wishlist the game on Steam, that would be really helpful. It really helps out small developers. Uh, those numbers help with the Steam algorithm and all that sort of nonsense. Um, so yeah, that, I'd really, really appreciate that. And um, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Like I said, thank you so much for, for making the time and agreeing to, to join me for this. You know, I will definitely include the Steam page in the episode description and all of that so people can find oh, your game. Yeah. Uh, as well as you know your your Twitter, so people can find more information about you. Awesome. But yeah, if there's nothing else you wanted to discuss, Joseph, I will. I'll let you get on a few day. <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good. Awesome, awesome. So thanks again to our guest Joseph for making time to have this conversation with me, and thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic Podcast. As well as special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And if you like this podcast and want to support it and help it grow, 
Please subscribe or follow me on Twitter at Red Tunic Podcast to receive the latest episodes and news, and be sure to share with those you think might enjoy it. Thanks, and until next time. Bye.